0: hope comes when there's a plan so we're just going to every day we're going to build a plan every day i'm going to feel a little more hope because i'm building a plan
1: that's dr gregory jantz uh, sharing insights about depression and how you can find recovery and even joy Uh, after going through depression, and he's with us again today on Focus on the Family. Thanks for joining us. Your host is Focus president and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I think
2: uh, listening last time, what really struck me, Dr. Jantz mentioned that one in four people in this country, I'm not sure about Canada and some of the other countries we air in, but here in the U.S., one in four people suffer from depression. That's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's if you look at it, it's going to be over 80 million people. And so either we will be suffering from it ourselves or someone in our family or someone very close to us or many people in our circle of influence. So our purpose here today on day two is to continue the discussion with Dr. Jantz, give you uh, more firepower in battling with this issue of depression yourself or equipping somebody uh, to get help and to do better that's the whole goal here at focus and we want to walk in that journey with you so get a hold of us don't suffer in silence we're here we want to help uh, our generous donors have supplied enough resource to allow a counseling area we've got you know, 20, 22 counselors, and they can give you a call back and talk with you about where you're at, your story, pray with you, and provide additional resources to help you. So I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Yeah, it's
1: going to be good. And uh, we're just a phone call away. Our number is 800-A-FAMILY. Or stop by the website where you can learn more about the book uh, from Dr. Gregory Jantz called Healing Depression for Life. And the details are in the program notes. Let me note that Dr. Jantz is the founder of The Center, a place of hope in Edmonds, Washington. It's been recognized as a top 10 facility in the U.S. for the treatment of depression. Dr. Jantz, welcome back.
0: So good to be here (laughs) on this topic. and I'm so glad you mentioned the counselors right up front Uh because today can be the day that a person reaches out, for themselves or for a loved one. And that's really what I want to inspire today. Take some action. Yeah, which is so good. And even for the Christians, you know, in that
2: space, let's start there. There can be a lot of guilt being a Christian and suffering with depression because you can't figure out why. If God loves me, why do I
0: have this? Why aren't I whole? Why aren't I healed? You may have that in your mind. Well, I should be living the victorious life, and yet I'm struggling. Yeah well we have some good examples in scriptures of of those who struggled so the struggle is is real but it's it's nothing new so yeah. but right now we are seeing record numbers of individuals seeking help for depression yeah. like we've never seen before
2: it's so amazing your approach to this issue of depression yes. chronic stress anxiety you use a whole body a whole person approach i just want people to hear that philosophy oh sure how does it go
0: for us and it was the early 80s okay yes and we began to look at traditional psychology did not have very many good answers can i just say that sure okay um but when we mix our faith and biblical truths uh, and we begin to look at the whole person for example i could be suffering from anxiety but i may have uh, a low thyroid i may have hormonal issues Uh, male or female, I may have a medical issue that is contributing to my anxiety or depression. Sure. Well, I could do a lot of things and be misdirected until I get those issues addressed. So that's why we really do believe in the whole person approach. Right. And applying God's truth.
2: Yeah. It's so good. Last time we touched on this. And if you missed last time, go back and and listen to it on your smartphone or get the download at our website or go to YouTube and check it out. But uh, I didn't get as specific on this with exercise. I I found this fascinating. There was a University of Toronto study that it went for 26 years. And they found that exercise has about the same effect on depression as medication
0: yes okay that's a stunner oh i know for mild to moderate depression okay we look at depression on the continuum there's mild depression we all go through some things and after a month we, we kind of pull out of it but it can go to moderate with more symptoms to the far end where there's a lot of red lights going off uh and i feel like it'd be better if i wasn't even alive that's severe depression And so we know for a lot of us, okay, this comes back to the basic self-care. If I do begin to apply the principles of whole person care, and one of those is the physical side and movement and exercise. By the way, the word exercise is not necessarily a real popular word for most. (laughs) Because you always feel like I'm not doing it enough or, you know. Right, you got to go all out. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying maybe use the word movement. Get moving again. Yeah. Right. And to do that consistently over time, it will make a difference. Now, don't do just that. It's like, I don't like using a singular approach. Like, don't think just one magic pill is going to cure it all. Okay. I want you to keep adding and adding to the whole person. Hmm. Mm. Uh,
1: Dr. Jans, why does exercise and movement help? Oh, w- sure. What's, what's at work
0: there? Okay. A couple things that happen there's a chemical in our brain called dopamine. And you've all heard of uh, endorphins. Mm -hmm. And we have uh, these chemicals that over time, so our body manufactures serotonin in our in our gut. Their gut's referred to as the second brain. Isn't that yeah, interesting? Yeah, yeah. And so there's a highway between the gut and the brain. It's called the vagus nerve. And everything you make in the gut travels to the brain through the vagus nerve and supplies the brain with the chemicals it needs to feel good. Exercise, now diet is too, but exercise is a big part of that production of those chemicals in our gut. Now I made it really simple, but that's what happens. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I love, in the book, you even mentioned 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's yes. spirit dwells in you? That, yes. that okay, now you put more shame on me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I mean, that is true. There's where scripture lines up with science. I right. Mean,
0: it, meaning take care of the body God has given you. And it is amazing how resilient we really are it really is so you go well i haven't done this for years it probably won't make a difference well no let's make progress every day say okay for the next 30 days i am going to increase my movement i okay i'll I'll go out for that 20 30 minute walk and keep yourself a little log just keep a little log and begin and then say okay i'm going to do my water okay now again this is basic self-care But it's probably slid a bit in your life, and we just want to reignite some self-care, because now you're going to start to feel a little better, and we're going to start to do some other things after that. Yeah, I
2: so like that. You uh, mentioned in the book a woman, a client, you gave her the name Gina. I'm sure you changed her name. But she went from a pretty depressed situation and began to exercise, and you saw amazing results.
0: Well, what happens over time, now, she also was a person that had a long-standing chronic stress, and you have kids with challenges, and, and you feel like, oh, man, am I overwhelmed. And typically, we're the last person person to take care of ourselves Mm -hmm. right and we've got to put that oxygen mask on first remember (laughs) so 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 we can really be of help to others
2: you know what i've just i gotta tell you i was on a plane that decompressed (laughs) yes and i put the mask on i turned to the guy next to me i said my bag's not filling up and he goes remember it will not inflate (laughs) i I must have heard that a thousand (laughs) times but sure enough i had to ask the question but anyway sorry so
0: you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you've got to get yourself the oxygen you need, yes. which we're talking about some basic self-care. Yeah. And uh, again, don't isolate or do it alone. Find, maybe it's going to be a walking companion, but begin yeah. to pair with others Friend. who can be of support mm-hmm. uh, in your life and give it the time it takes. Right. You see, depression probably helped uh, happen slowly over time. And so we're going to get you back. It, it will happen. Uh, and if there's things that need to be addressed physiologically in your body or medication, we're going to get all that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I so appreciate what you started with yesterday, which is hope. Yes. Stay hopeful. And that can be hard when you're in a pit.
0: Well, and remember hope comes when there's a plan. So we're just going to every day, we're going to build a plan every day. I'm going to feel a little more hope because I'm building a plan.
2: Yeah. So true. Um, Sleep. Sleep plays a role. Okay, so, you know, sleep for me, I don't know about you, John, this has changed over my lifetime. Yes, I used to sleep so fast and so long, right. I, I had great sleep and then as I got older, You know, I I go to sleep pretty quickly, but then I wake up like 3, 4 in the morning, a little more restless. But speak to the sleep cycle, and especially when you're in a state of chronic stress or depression.
0: Right. Uh, When we're under these states of depression or anxiety, and what we're finding right now is more and more are waking up during the night. Your heart's pounding. You feel wide awake. Maybe you're in a cold sweat, and you go, what is going on? Uh, and you were woken up by anxiety during the night. Your body just kind of woke you up. That's not uncommon, but it disrupts your sleep cycles. Right. So uh, chronic stress over time will shorten usually and create very um, fragmented sleep stages.
2: So that Uh, should be an indication for you if you experience that, that maybe there's more here that you need to check out. If
0: I have a hard time falling asleep, if I'm waking up off and on through the night... And when I say off and on, if you're waking up more than twice in the evening and not going back to sleep, that's probably an issue. Huh. So I remember from my sleep research days, and I really became interested in sleep and mental health. And we know they do go together. Right. I can create an anxious brain by improper sleep cycles or not getting enough sleep
2: yeah so there i mean find a way to get a good
0: night's sleep consistently let me just say that takes some practice sometimes we have to change our circadian rhythms by going to bed at the same time we need to have a what i call a good sleep hygiene the routine (laughs) of going to bed uh what are we putting in our brain before we go to sleep right uh are you on technology up to the minute you crawl in bed You know, we need to look at those things. I'm laughing
2: because the boys now tease me because I go to bed like 9 or 9.30 and I wake up about 5.30. But uh, they're like, okay, it's dad's bedtime. The news just ended. (laughs) 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 So you got to tolerate a little harassment, but that's okay. That's fine. Uh, Let me ask you, Greg, uh, you speak about a guy named Peter who struggled with depression and the link between that and his technology addiction. Okay, so focus. We get a lot of responses from parents who are dealing with technology addiction with their teens, their preteens. Right. So how did Peter's story unfold and what was going on? Right.
0: So with Peter, uh, technology addiction, and that's a word that might disturb some. You mean addiction? Well, here's what we find. When uh, clients come to see us and we're a facility where people come and stay, one of the things we do is initially take away everything with a screen. Okay. Most of our clients by day three are irritable, have a little bit of sweaty palms, the heart rates up and they're saying, you know, I forgot to send out that last email. Can I please have my whatever back, you know, or I've got to check something because our dependency on that technology is so strong. So I actually see people with withdrawal symptoms Hmm. and they get quite irritable. From their smartphones. Yes. Oh my. So um, I'll give you my phone. (laughs) Yeah. I could care less. (laughs) (laughs) And here's what uh, with our youth, we're over digitizing their brain. That's so true. So there's a digitized brain. It becomes dull. The brain is growing and developing for the male brain up to about age 25. So uh, we've overstimulated the brain with a lot of technology in a way that the brain wasn't really designed for. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've all seen this. You're in the restaurant, and the toddler has mom and dad's phone or an iPad. Have you ever tried to, when they take it away from them, what happens? We have a tantrum. Right. Then we just give it back to them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right? Keep them quiet. It's, It's the pacifier. Okay. So we start doing this early. And I have to tell you, as a parent, early on, I made some mistakes. Mm -hmm. I have two sons, and we probably did expose them to, I thought it'd be a lot of fun, get ahead on some learning. So we probably did overexpose to uh, too much technology. We've got to have boundaries around this in our families and as adults.
2: Uh, picking up on that technology, yes. because, again, so many parents are in this trap. It's a big frustration. And we don't know what to yes. do. And it really works well on an airplane with your kids. But right. how do we modulate this in mm-hmm. a way that um, keeps everybody in a healthy place? Yes.
0: So we need to figure out what are our family values and boundaries around technology. Your kids are younger. Um, I, I'm Simple things like don't have screens in the bedrooms. Right. Uh, the screens go on... Uh, the charger, the, yes. same time in the every kitchen. night, oh, oh, not in their bedrooms. Right. right. Uh, or you don't have it the next day. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be engaged in what uh, they're interested in.
2: You know another one. If I could add, Gene did this wonderfully. Yes. Never at the dinner table. It right. had to be left on the counter. So the when kitchen you're with counter. somebody,
0: really be with them. Yeah,
2: I thought it. I thought it was really good. I was now, surprised we were able to pull that off. Now
0: there's another thing you can add to that. If you um, you can have what we call a digital dinner. One. <laughs> no one. Fun. One night. One yeah. night a week. Allow them to bring their devices to the table, um, because this is their opportunity to show you as a parent. Oh, that's good. Anything that. Hey, what are, you, what are you guys doing? What are your friends into? Hey, what's the latest coolest app? Have them show you, engage in their world briefly.
2: No, that that is really good. Uh, let's touch on the issue of medication. Yes, because again, this is very touchy for many people in okay. the in the Christian faith, and you know, again, last time we talked about it where you have something going on with your body, you have right. high blood pressure, you have diabetes, you have something that's been diagnosed and you get a prescription and you begin to use that medication to control that yes. issue with an organ of your body, your pancreas, your kidney, whatever it might be. We don't really put much doubt into that, but when it comes to mental health, right. we do. We, you know, Christians feel guilty that they have to be on an antidepressant. What does that say about me? I'm not spiritual enough, the Lord doesn't love me enough. All these things begin to spin in our minds. As a healthcare professional, mm-hmm. what do you say to that? Let's just play that out, that Christian that has that deep conviction that, Lord, I don't want to be on this, help me, and yet they need
0: to be, at least right. temporarily. Oh, sure. And I'm, Jim, I'm so glad you asked this question because it's something that uh, we really do need to understand. So there are, and the advancements that have been made in medications, I'm going to tell you, I have seen times where I know a medication, properly prescribed and used, has saved a person's life.
1: Mm.
0: I know it has. There you go. And it is a bridge, a lot of times, so that you can feel better in order to address other things you need to. It may be that in your body's chemistry, so some things are off. For some, it's a short time. Um, but we need to allow, uh, the gift at times, I'm going to call it a gift because I've seen it pull a person out of desperation and despair where they felt suicidal. I've seen them pull out of that and be able to function and do other things they need to do.
2: No, and it's so important to Have a a holistic perspective on this. That's right.
0: Just make sure it's not the only thing you do. Yeah. If you think, hey, I'm just going to take this pill, everything's going to be great. No, do other things as well, Um, because uh, it's not that you're having a shortage of medication in your life. You may need that, but what else needs to be addressed?
2: Yeah. Well, those are always good questions. And again, sometimes people need help from professionals, a counselor, Christian counselor, To ask those right questions. And this
0: could be the day that you say, okay, I'm going to do something now, today. Let's move back to your story
2: with depression. You share how your relationship with God made a big difference in your recovery from depression. How did God's story play out in your own depression Well, for me, I
0: felt like uh, I had missed my life calling. I felt like I, I need to do something different. And I was beyond burned out. I was living with chronic stress. I was not practicing good self-care. The things I was telling my clients, and again, this was years ago, um, I wasn't able to do for myself. Hmm. And so for me, it had to be a confirmation from the Lord, no, I really felt I need to adjust how I'm living my life so that I can fulfill my calling. Mm -hmm. And once I got that clear, I've probably been more passionate than ever before because I really believe that part of my calling is to help save lives. Yeah, that's not a bad call for everybody, <laughs> right? So
2: right. That's what we should all be about, mm-hmm. helping save people's lives and helping people uh, move toward the Lord I in know, a relationship with I know with there's him.
0: <laughs> a way out, and yeah. for me, you know, it was the Lord uh, dealing with things in my life that I also need to realign, And but allowing God to speak with me and giving the time for that healing and recovery so that I could come out stronger than ever before. Yeah.
2: Dr. Jans, this is a delicate question, but I think it needs to be asked. I'd love yes. to hear your opinion on this. But sometimes church could be a very isolating place because we have expectations of ourselves and of others. It's kind of like, how are you doing? Doing great, doing fine. Right. Everything's wonderful. When it's not, how do we as Christians congregating together in church? And how do pastors who are listening create an environment where someone can come in and say, yeah, I'm not doing well? And it's okay to say that.
0: Yes, and I'm this church to be a safe place right, for us to do that. Right, that you and don't have to pretend. No, you don't have to pretend. It's kind of like come as you are, literally, and God may have something very special for you in that church service. Um, sometimes we go because, or we don't go because, I don't feel good, nobody's going to understand, and and you keep yourself away. Or you go, I'll just watch online. Well, you need to go and be there. Participate. And participate. Yeah. There may be a word for you in worship. There may be a word for you through uh, God speaking through the pastor. Yeah. But go. I want you to be with people versus the ten- tendency to move away.
2: Yeah, so true. If you were to, I mean, again, if you look at the statistics, one in four people dealing with depression. Yes. And you're a pastor of a church, that's a pretty big group of people to minister to. Right. You know, over 80 million people. What would a church that is friendly toward people struggling with depression look like? Mm -hmm. What does the characteristic of the church look like?
0: So you're going to feel uh, probably what I'll call love and acceptance. Um, A church where you may feel a lot of judgment. Sometimes people will describe, well, um, they told me there must be some hidden sin in my life. That's why I'm suffering. Well, you know, and the person may say, "I've confessed everything I know of," right? Right. And so there could be the misappropriation sometimes of of scripture that can be a little bit confusing. Um, but a church is going to look like a place that's going to receive you. They're going to believe in God's healing for you. You're going to have people that are going to pray with you. And here's the key: walk alongside and be in relationship. Yeah. So many churches have great groups you can be a part of. Get engaged.
2: Yeah, I love that. And I love the idea of pastors targeting this issue because, again, it's so prevalent in the culture right now. And to give them, uh, replace that spirit of fear with a spirit of power and boldness in Christ, that's a good goal. Absolutely. Let's flip it on the other end. Um, How do people suffering from chronic stress and depression benefit from serving in the church? Mm -hmm. Not taking, but serving.
0: There reaches a point in your recovery where you will feel like, okay, it's time for me. It'll be a natural progression where I feel gratitude. I feel that um, it's time for me to give to others. I move from being self-absorbed. See, depression self-absorbs me. I can't really see beyond myself. As I walk through healing, I begin to see the needs of others. I begin to have empathy towards others. I begin to want to do something to help others. Yeah. And this is a beautiful process. Yeah. And you will experience gratitude. Part of gratitude is I start to feel optimistic. I want to be of help to others. And you will be of help. What you walk through will help others.
2: Yeah. You know, Dr. Jance, right at the end here, I think this is the right place to close our two day discussion. Yes. And, uh, you know, again, with everything that you've learned, a PhD in psychology and application in your practices, and I know you own several clinics, and I mean, that's a lot of experience that you're getting. But when it comes down to it, um, the benefit of having faith in Christ, okay which is far more important than all those other things I mentioned with all due respect, right? but faith in Christ being the foundation to change your life.
0: It is. And we know... Keep the faith up because the faith is how you're going to be made well do not abandon your faith. You may feel unlovable. You may feel like God is so far away. It may not even seem like a reality, but I want to encourage you today, keep your faith and Lord Jesus, show me what I need to do to experience healing. Um, But faith will be the cornerstone for your lifelong recovery.
2: Yeah. For that person struggling that maybe has not made that commitment, they're in your office. You've probably had many people like that What does that dialogue for you sound like when you're encouraging someone who doesn't know the Lord to start there?
0: Yes. Well, it may be, how about just giving God a fair chance in your life? (laughs) Yeah. Right? No, it's a good Um, question. You've tried a lot of other things. Let's see what difference this could be. And let's look at an opportunity where you could accept God, accept Christ into your life as an opportunity for a turning point. Let's see Let's just give God a fair chance. Yeah,
2: I think it's so good. I think the follow up there is those people with brokenness that yes. don't know the Lord whether it's drug addiction, pornography and maybe people that do know the Lord that are trapped right. in these addictions too. It may be it may be sexual issues, right. sexual orientation issues. You know, whenever you're in those communities talking about solutions, um man, the Lord is for everybody. And the reach of God is long and far. Nobody is beyond his reach, no matter what your behavior. He loves you and he he cares about you.
0: And that really can be made real. And you can experience that.
2: Well, let's start there. If you're in that spot, get a hold of us. We'd Mm -hmm. love to share who Jesus is with you. Mm -hmm. And that's part of our mission here at Focus on the Family. In addition to that, we care about you and your soul and your body, as Dr. Jance has talked about. Uh, We want to get his book into your hands, Healing Depression for Life. And I can't even imagine a better equation, a better transaction for you than that one. And if you need this book, get a hold of us. If you can make a gift of any amount, we'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you for being part of the ministry. If you can't afford it, we'll get it into your hands and trust that others will take care of the expense of that. Point is, get help. Mm -hmm. And we do have caring Christian counselors we've mentioned throughout the two days here. Get in touch with us. They will schedule a time to call you back, and they'll hear your story provide some insight, resources, pray with you, and hopefully get you on a path toward healing, which is our goal for you. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, they can also uh, help you connect with somebody locally in your own area. Uh, Our team is available. Just give us a call, 800-the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. Or stop by the show notes for links uh, to connect with our counselors to find out more about Dr. Jansen's book, healing depression for life, uh, to donate, and most importantly, to learn what it is to have life with Jesus Christ. Again, our number 800, the letter A, and the word family. Dr. Jantz, thank you for being with
2: us. It's been really, really good. Thank you.
0: I am so glad we can talk about depression, Mm -hmm. and there really is hope. Mm
1: -hmm. There is hope. Thank you. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back next time as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.
0: Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan,